So back in the 80s, uh, radio did this bit where we would, uh, we called it bid for bachelors. Basically, you'd go out to a big hotel ballroom and you would get up on stage and women would bid on you to go out on a date package that you had come up with. So a friend of mine, a uh, good-looking guy, 25 years old, very good-looking guy, as a matter of fact, um, he was in one of these bid for bachelor things. So he's up on stage, an older woman, probably you know, 45, 50, 55, something like that, bids on a date with this guy. And the date is a trip to go see Huey Lewis in the news. They were big at the time, don't laugh, in San Francisco. And so they're going to go out, spend like a Friday, Saturday night at the hotel. And I think they had different rooms and they're going to go see Huey Lewis. They ran out of things to talk about on the airplane. And I just felt so bad for the both of them. He comes back. I'm like, how was your date? He's like, oh God, it was so awful. He says, she was older. We didn't have a lot in common. She was quiet. And we ran out of things to talk about on the airplane, still knowing that they had an entire weekend in San Francisco to spend together. And I guess when they got there, they hung out a little bit the next day, but it got so painful and awkward that uh, they agreed, you know what, you can go off and do your own thing, and I'll go off and do my own thing. We'll go to the concert, we'll get on the airplane, we'll, you know, uh, how in the world anybody ever thought that would be a great idea? And then I just kind of go back to like, how weird was it? And I was involved in a couple of these bid for bachelor things where you could bid on a woman for charity and uh, you would go on your date together. And uh, I did a couple of these things and actually met some really cool people. Um, uh, I met an attorney and I probably should have married her because, I mean, come on, she was an attorney. And, um, and she bid on me not because she wanted to, but because she was drunk and she was trying to get the bid up. And so when she won, I remember she looked a little bit bewildered. And I was so flattered because she spent like $600 on me. And she could afford it because she was an attorney, but she didn't really want to. So, but anyway, so just another radio war story. This week on the show, we've got a very special guest named Eric Rowe. He is a, a big-time radio producer on air at a station in Houston. Let's meet him right now on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. I have a really cool guest on the show this week. Uh, he is a producer, but he's also on the air at a big station in Houston, KRBE, uh, the Rula and Ryan Show. Producer Eric, thanks for being on the podcast, Eric. Dude, you are—you know I've been a big fan of you since the 90s. Uh, I love you, man, and I'm, I'm honored that uh, – because I even wrote to you. I said, Dave, I want to be on this with you. I love what you're doing <laughs> with everybody. I got to be part of this, so thank you for letting me be one of the first. I think I'm the first producer. I, I believe you are, but you know what? You are like one of those. Like I, I was telling you before we started recording, that you are one of those model producers that everybody wishes they had for their morning show because you are you run the show. I mean, you know, full credit to Rule and Ryan because they're so talented. But you basically run the show. You make sure everybody's happy. You arrange the guests. You set up the phone calls. You um, do all the behind the scenes stuff, and you do stuff on the air too. Yep. So I, gotta, I, I figure um, that one, one thing about Rule and Ryan, they trust me. And what I love about that is they, uh, Rule is like, you just give me a piece of paper and I'll go with it, Eric. If you give me whatever you give me on that piece of paper, I know is gold and I'll just, and she's so good, she can take, I could give her a phone book with one, you know, little topic and she'll just go. And I love that. And so I think that's so great. I'm well, I want to dive right in team. here because sure. um, I was going to say, you and I, we never really crossed paths career wise, but the guy that, I replaced here at KDWB. His name was Steve Cochran. Yep. You, because it's a small, incestuous business, you worked with Steve Cochran after he left here and went to Chicago. Is that the story? Yeah, back in uh, 94. I mean, he was probably there earlier, but I interned in 94 with him. And I remember him telling me all these stories in Minnesota, and he was on billboards and all this, and he was saying he was the king of Minnesota and stuff. He he was. I mean, he was only here for a relatively short time you know, compared to me, I think he was here four or five years, something like that. And it was a bitch to replace him, Eric, because, you know, whenever we replace somebody who's that popular, everybody hates you for the right first away. year. <laughs> right away, they hated me. Who is this new guy? And even the staff, they were kind, but they didn't like me as much as they liked Steve. And I really fought against that for the first year or so until we started to win people over. But it was tough. Well, he, so, he had a tough time in Chicago. That was... 
I think sometimes he was hoping he would just go back because <laughs> it was Chicago's not an easy market to. They don't like if you're not from Chicago, they really don't like you. It's really weird. It's a really. I mean, Chicago has got some legendary people. Everybody from uh, what Kevin Matthews, Steve Dahl, Johnny B, uh, John, yeah, Jonathan Brandmeier, who I used to steal bits from all the time, <laughs> and um, so the, and, the, and now they got Fred and Angie, yeah. and Steve is still down there, from what I understand, right? Now he's doing a podcast. He got uh, let go from the. He started doing like talk radio. What's funny is, uh, so I interned with him, and then he left to go to New York to do Z100. That's why I loved listening to uh, you and Kevin Ralston talk about Z100 back then, because Steve took the job with Steve Kingston, and then they blew out Steve Kingston, and they brought in Tom Pullman, and which brought in Cubby, and they brought in Ryan, who I work with. They all came from KRB in Houston, and they fired. They were like, we don't like the Steve Cochran guy. Let's put Elliot and um, uh, Elvis together. Elvis and Elliot, yeah. And they put those two together. And uh, so Steve was only there three months, and I think he got paid for like two years. Wow! Yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that. Go to New York? God, no kidding. And get paid for two years. Came back here. He went to WGN, which is a legend AM station here. Or I just say here. I'm in Houston now, but it's my home. And um, he was doing part time. The morning guy, Bob Collins, was killed flying in his airplane, and he got hit by someone was practicing in their airplane and clipped him and killed him. So they had an opening. So he got a job. Full time at WGN, so it's just crazy. Wow, it is. You know, it's a crazy business. Bob Collins, yeah, was, was a uh, legend in Chicago wow. radio. And then, so fast forward to ninety nine, two thousand, somewhere in there. I forget when it was. And uh, Ryan was in Dallas, and I was in Dallas, and uh, that's how we met. We became drinking buddies, and uh, he. Got the job here in Houston, and first person he called was me. It was between me and one other person that you would know, your producer, Jackson, back in the day. Oh, really? Wow. It was down to us two for the job. Rula knew Jackson because of uh, Morning Show Boot Camp, which I think we all have to drink every time we mention that on your podcast. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and uh, it was down to him and me, and uh, Ryan wanted me, and Rula's like, do I want Ryan and this other guy? They're going to, you know, two against one. They're going to, you know, override me and stuff. So she didn't want me, which is weird because now we're best friends. That's and, so um, funny. And uh, they picked me. And then I always make jokes on the radio. I'm like, yeah, you could have had that guy that got in trouble with Taylor Swift touching her butt, allegedly, even though I don't think he did. But I'd make jokes about that. Like, see, Rula, Ryan picked me. I would never you do made that. the right choice. Yeah. I have never touched Taylor Swift's butt yeah. before. Ever. Exactly. Damn it. Well, then you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, I mean, I might have touched Bruno Mars or something's ass, but that's a different story. He was cool. <laughs> that's right when he was doing the cocaine stuff, so he was cool with that stuff. Oh, uh, I love it. Well, you know, the 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 um, the podcast we all, you know, it's basically about radio war stories. So everybody in radio has got their stories about you know a crazy firing or a stunt gone wrong or a bad appearance where nobody showed up or your general manager showed up drunk and got in a fight. So I'm going to pick one here at random because you gave me a whole bunch. Yeah, I just wrote. Gonna, a, I just wrote a streaming as a producer. I'm just like, okay, here's some stuff that uh, send to Dave. See if he likes it. Well, you we'll basically produce this show, so yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start off with point number seven: the greased-up stunt guy and the elevator. Tell me about that one. We had a guy named uh, Super Dave. He ended up working. Um, I got him jobs in Utah. And he worked with Counting Fish in Wisconsin at, at uh, some stations. But before that, he was our intern. He was six foot four, probably three fifty, maybe three seventy-five. He would do all of our stunts. You know, this is two thousand three, so remember that's when we were stunt heavy back then. Yeah, and. Um, you know, do the taser bit. We getting tasered and stuff. Well, this year, uh, maybe I think it was 2004 because Greece was having the Olympics. Rule is Greek, so we we're making this a big deal. And I think we had tickets to to Greece uh, or to get nominated to win Duran Duran tickets or something. Whatever it was, we right. said, "All right, we're going to grease you up." So stupid. We greased him up with oils, and we brought listeners in, and they had to ride him like a bull. And if you could hold on to Dave for eight seconds, you won the tickets to Duran Duran or whatever, you know, whatever tickets it was. Yeah. You know, and this, and this is, we didn't even have video. That's so stupid, man. We didn't have the technology like we have now. And uh, this girl finally held on. She won it. He was covered. And he, he walks out from our studio across the hall, past the elevators into the bathroom to try and get the grease off. 
what we didn't realize is he was six four. He's got big, looked like a you know bare feet, full of grease, and he's walking everywhere, so it's slippery. About two hours later, we didn't clean that up. Somebody got off the elevator, walked, f- slid, hit that, flipped, broke something. Ambulances came. We weren't. In, we left. You know, this is like noon. Yeah, you're gone. All of a sudden, we you know, the people. What's going on? We're like, play dumb. We don't know anything. I don't know what's going on. This thing went to court when we went to KRBE from that station. Uh, they had people there trying to serve us. We had to hide, go in other uh, doors. We didn't want to be part of this lawsuit. We're like, we're playing dumb. I don't know what the hell happened. And uh, I still don't. I think it got tossed out of court. I don't think they. I think they settled or something. But that was a bad one. That's when uh, Claire Channel at the time was like, "No, if you do these bits, you got to clean up, clean your shit up." So, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, no I remember kidding. that. I'm like, "Oh my god, well, we could have got could have killed that lady." Never thought of so, it. Stuff you don't think about. No, and you never think about that. I mean, we've we've talked about that before, like with the hold your wee for a wee. You know, that yeah. stunt where actually somebody died. And, uh, you know, the good thing is nobody died during this, but you know, you, you did do a stunt where somebody was injured enough that they ended up suing the radio station. Yep. We sent our intern, um, our, um, stunt guy, Dave and our tech producer. I, I had this whole, okay, I'm going to, for two weeks, you guys are going to start snipping each other, getting mad, fighting and stuff. And we're going to bring up throughout the show organically, you know, which wasn't organic cause I made it up. Yeah. But, so, you know, they're arguing and people were like, guys, enough. You're fighting too much. We need you guys to love each other and trust each other. The only way you can trust each other is to do this one thing. So I uh, got his truck out and I blindfolded Dave and Jay had to, and he was driving blindfolded and Jay had to tell him where to go. And that oh, was their no. trust, to trust each other. I mean, how stupid is this? We're just sending them out to Westheimer, which is a busy street here. And he was driving with a blindfold on. And Jay had to tell him to stop, left, go. And we were you know, doing this live on the radio. It's just so stupid. I'm like, why did I do this? This could have, got, could have killed somebody. But you don't, you don't think. But nobody got hurt. No. No injuries, no lawsuits. No, thank God. But it was just, what was I thinking? It was just stupid. <laughs> if anything, just fake it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, you were, uh, I loved one of your stories that you talked about how you worked at a radio station, uh, WIZZ, <laughs> and uh, and you went from afternoons, no, you went from the night show, which is a prestigious show, to the afternoon show, which is even more prestigious and more desirable, probably pays more, yeah. because you played a dirty trick and What's fooled everybody. Is, this is a station, though, that shut off at 10 o'clock. I had, I had to play the Jimi Hendrix Star Spangled Banner. It was one of those, like, you had to shut the power off yeah. type thing. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, I was doing this at summertime. Once college was done, I went to Columbia College in Chicago. So I had the summer off and I got the job at nights and weekends. And I mean, it was called Streeter Solid Gold, the best of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. No, 50s, yeah. 60s, 70s, and early 80s. I'm like, what the? We're playing everything. Who here. are we targeting? Yeah. Yeah. And it was W I Z Z whiz. I'd always be like, we're going to take a whiz break. That was my little chuckle. I'd always laugh <laughs> at that. But at nighttime, you know, I was trying to do some bits and stuff, but they didn't want that. They just wanted their. John Mellencamp or whatever this Chevy van song from the seventies, whatever that song was me and my Chevy. Van. Right. And sure. uh, my aunt, she's a genius. I love her to death. She, um, she was big in the soap operas. So she would join these fan clubs and she became a president of a few of them. And I'm still friends with some of these actors today. And um, what they would have her do is get all these fans to email or not email to mail. This is 94, 95 to mail like days of our lives saying, I love this actor. J.D. Peck is amazing. I want to see more of him. And they see all these letters and then they have they, they have like a big duffel bags. These are for this actor. This is for that actor. And that's how they give them more scenes. They give them okay. bigger contracts. So I'm like, this is a good idea. So my aunt sent a postcard to my station saying, that night guy, uh, that Eric guy, man, he is, what a flamethrower. This guy's awesome. I'd love to hear more of him. Me and my friends at work, we love this guy. And my PD just ate this shit up. He's never, I don't think he's ever had anyone ever send a fan mail to him. And next thing you know, two weeks later, they go, Eric, you're people just loving you. We, we got to put you in uh, afternoons. Take my spot. He, I took his spot, the program director's spot. Oh my God. And they put me, and then, then this other part time guy's like, I, I went through the phone book. I didn't see anybody with that name. I don't know who that is. I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> who knows? But that's crazy. Put, wow. Well, they worked. must be unlisted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, holy shit, it, this worked. And then uh, I did a bit called Dr. Rao. 
uh, which is my last name. Some people say Roe. It's Rao. It doesn't matter. I always thought it was Roe. Eric yeah, Rowe. But I always go by Roe on the Rowe. show. Okay. It'd be, it'd be perfect if everyone knew me as Roe. It'd be Ruler Ryan and Roe Show. That'd sound great. Right. But I, I, I did a bit Dr. Uh, Rao, and I'd have my grandpa call in, and he, uh, we just did bits together. And all of a sudden, my PD called me and goes, you know, we can get sued. You're pretending to be a doctor. You're giving advice. I'm like, have you heard my advice? It's so stupid. Everyone knows it's a shtick. It's not real. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? So then they said, you just need to, you know, pretty much shut up, play the music. So then I just sat there like a little baby, stupid. I put on sunglasses. I had a cigar. And I just chewed it on it. And then I just turned on the mic. It was the dials, those old dials, not a board. Yep. Yep. And I just turned it on. I'm like, AM 1250, WIZZ. Here's John Mellencamp. I just pouted like a little bitch. I'm like, that's so funny. Well, because you know, I mean, if you don't, if you're not in radio, you don't know this. You don't want to do a show where they don't let you talk. Yeah, you want to do a show where you can like talk and take phone calls and do funny stuff and you know talk about your life and that type of thing. And the worst kind of show and the show we all start out on is the one where we say, "Hey, here's the latest from Taylor Swift. That's the latest from Taylor Swift. We'll be back after this with you know whatever." And those are boring because anybody yep. can do those. So, especially back then, if I'm going to make money, I'd rather just go do a job and have fun and make more money doing something else. You know, just talking up eight seconds—that's not fun. And, to and, me. and you know what sucks now is that there's so many people in radio. They get eight, twelve seconds, and some of them are really good at making the most of it. And but I, I would—I don't think I'd be able to do that because you know that's fun. But at the same time, you only get to talk about four or five times an hour for twelve seconds at a time. It's like and it's hard too. I tell Very, people, I go, I could not do that. I don't. Nope. No one in our show could do that. I mean, Rula used to do it. Ryan used to do it, but it's it's that's a skill. I mean, I give people props if you can do that. Good for you. But I, I can never sign do on it. for that. You um you worked with a guy um named Kid Craddock, and uh, Kid Craddock. I'll, I'll give you a little background on Kid. Kid was. Um, he and I were about the same age. He passed away about five years ago suddenly, and it was such a shock. But Kid Craddock was one of those innovators and like entrepreneurs that he came up with so many different devices that helped out radio people by devices. I mean, like, you know, programs, computer, like yeah. um, uh, uh, newsletters. He had a magazine. Um, as a matter of fact, here's a, a, like a, a story that nobody knows. He and I both started a magazine at the same time. Really? Mine. Yep. Mine was called Gag exclamation point. His was called Morning Mouth, and they were both newsletters. And he actually, he was so competitive and so good. He said, I saw that you were coming out with one, and I knew mine had to be better. <laughs> so I worked my ass off, and I made mine way better than yours. Mine folded after about 18 months. His was around for probably, he sold it, and eventually, I think um, it was around for maybe 20 years or so, something like that. Yep. And, he, and um, he sold that too and made some good money because he he put it in there. Um, what did he tell me? He said um, he made more money off selling like his prep sites and that stuff because every time they sold it to someone else, he got a piece of the sale again. Wow. I'm not smart enough to know that, but his, his buddy was owns grocery stores and taught him that and said, put this in the clause. So whenever they sell it, you know, this, you get a piece of that, a percentage or something. So he said, dude, I made more money off those things than I did on air stuff. Isn't that crazy? Well, kid was a businessman and um, he was a talented DJ and he was a businessman. And the funny thing is, I mean, not funny, but impressive is that when he died, they kept the same name of his show, even though he'd been dead. And I think they still call it kid nation. Yep. Um, uh, and 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 basically, it's the same members of the show without Kid. And the ratings uh, are doing just as well, sometimes even better. That's what I. Uh, and they had a lot of they got a they had a lot of pressure on them. They had people like coming like, hey, we're gonna bring like the Burt show. We're gonna bring Burt in to help you guys. We're gonna do this, and they're like, no, no, this is our house. Let us do it. And if we fail, we fail. If not, leave us alone. And they and were I'll, very smart. You know, and you would think that somebody like Kid Craddock's is is irreplaceable, and they didn't need to replace him. If they had brought in, no, you know, all respect to Bert, who's very talented. He's a DJ down in Atlanta, um, uh, and uh, but I'd heard the rumors they were thinking about bringing Bert in, but they were very smart to just let that show continue. It's kind of like bringing in a stepdad. Stepdad yeah. might be great, but at the same time, not to pick on any stepdads, it's not your real dad. You know what yep. I mean? It's true. So. And- and it, it it worked for them, and and obviously doesn't hurt Bert at all. Bert's got his awesome show, so he's in. Yeah, Bert's and it's funny when I was uh, in the '90s, I would go to I'd work in Bloomington, Illinois, and stuff, and I would sneak down 
and go in the people's drawers and I'd find all the morning mouths and I'd find like articles that you'd written and kid would write and stuff. So to me, the two guys or the Kings were you and kid. So it's pretty cool that I've been able to know you and become friends and work with kid. And uh, I can tell you that story. We used to work at the mix station in Houston and they fired us and we had good ratings, but they, the GM was a big fan of a guy named Sam Malone and he was the top dog at, the station we're at now, KRBE, and he left. He left the whole show. He said, screw this. I'm going over here. And he got paid a lot of money. And okay. we're like, we know what's going to happen. Because they go, no, he's just going to do AM talk. Don't you guys are fine. As soon as they call you in and they tell you that, you know you're effed. We're like, like yep. you guys are fine. We're not going to do anything. You know, this is just what it is. We're like, yeah, right. We know what's going to happen. Six month non-compete, then they're going to take us out. But we worked our ass off because we knew we got to build our show. So if we do get fired, we still have a name. Long story short, we got fired. That day, we all went to Rula's uh, Family's Bar, the oldest restaurant in Houston, by the way. Anyone's ever wow. here? Christie's Seafood and Steaks. It's been around 101 years. And, no shit. Um, and yeah, it's pretty cool. And we were drinking there, and all of a sudden, I got a phone call on my cell. And I go, hello? Yeah, this is Kid Craddock. Kid! I've not, at this time, I've only, I worked in Dallas, but I only met him barely, you know, like a handshake and nothing much. He's like, yeah, you, you know, I, I know what happened there. I think you guys got screwed over. I think you're so talented, and uh, if there's anything I could do for you, man, if you want to help, you know, come help me. I'd love for you to come help us. At the time, um, my guy just forgot his name. He just he left the show to go to Boston. Oh, Rich, Rich certainly was leaving. So he goes, if you if you want to come here and work, you know, more power to you. So I'm like, this is November. I'm like, well, let's see, we'll see what happens. And all of a sudden, December's coming. I'm like, no income because Rule and Ryan got paid till December 31st. I didn't have a contract. And they go, we'll give you $25,000 more if you stay. First of all, I was pissed because they wouldn't give me five grand when I wanted it six months earlier. And now all of a sudden you're throwing $25,000 in my face? F you. And I left. No money. Thank God my girlfriend, which is now my wife, um, is successful. And I lived with her. And then um, January came and I said, you know what? I need, I, we can't work anywhere here for six months if we do get a job. So, uh, I called Kid up. He goes, all right, Eric, got you a place. He, all of a sudden, it's in Las Colinas. Like two st- he had his own studio, by the way, Dave. It's, you know, he, you didn't have to go and see all the, the suits or the sales staff or anyone. It was just that morning show had their own little building. It was That's awesome. amazing. That is, that is unheard yeah. of in radio. You're like your own you work island. at a radio station. Yeah, at you don't radio. work at your own studio. You work at the station. So he had so his own studio. He put me up. In this huge high rise there in Los Colinas, two bedroom. We're talking this place probably would be like five grand a month, maybe thirty five hundred. Well, my, I think it was five because I open the elevator, I get in or open the door to go to the elevator, and across the hall, Bill Parcells, you know, he was the Cowboys coach at the time. He's an icon yeah. if you know football. He the Giants, uh, you know, he's just an NFL stud. He was my neighbor. I'm like, what the wow. hell? I was like, this is crazy, and then. That night kid said, all right, let's go. He took me to the Mavericks game. And uh, he's got his special seat. His seats were higher. They made, they took the seat off and they made it two inches higher because he was short. And no seats, shit. The people in front of him were usually the ESPN, the sports guys talking, uh, radio guys. And they're tall. Yeah. They're ex-players. So he couldn't see. So he told Cuban, make it higher. So his he told Mark were, Cuban. So he, so Kid Craddock was so powerful. Yes, that he told Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavs, to to boost my seat up a couple inches so I could see. Yeah, <laughs> it was wow. awesome. And we watched wow. the game, and then we went out. I felt like, uh, you know, you hear those stories about kids being wine and dine to go to colleges and stuff, and and then we, I, we I, before that we met at his country club. I mean, one of those two hundred thousand dollars membership clubs, and he's there smoking. He liked to smoke a lot. Maybe smoking and what do you got, Eric? We do bits and come up with ideas. Then we went and did all this stuff. And just, I was like, this is freaking amazing. Kid freaking Craddock is taking my advice and my ideas. And then on the show, because I wasn't going to be on the show much, all of a sudden they start putting me on the show more and more. And I do, uh, my bit was, can Eric, because I, you know, I got a kind of a different voice. I kind of sound like uh, Kermit the Frog meets Ray Romano meets Jack in the Box commercials <laughs> but i used that to my advantage and i pretended to be ray romano and i'd call celebrities and that was the bit and i'd call betty white and i and i talked to her and i tried to get her in a new uh, it's like betty it's ray romano you know i got this new tv show called the east wing 
it's kind of like the West Wing, but you know, we're doing some politics, and you're gonna be my love interest. You know, you have to get naked, and she was awesome. And I'd call Paul Abdul, oh, and so oh wow, he, he was like he he loved awkward radio, so he loved this stuff. And then I called David Letterman, and all of a sudden, did I get David Letterman? No, I got his assistant, the guy that ran Ray Romano's show. Uh, I forget his name, Rob something, but he oh. knows obviously he knows Ray Romano because he's the one who hired him. So it was just fun. He let me do all these bits, and then he, uh, on his show they have IFBs. So you can, t- those are uh, where um, you can talk into people's ears, like the news anchors. If you, anyone listen to this, if you watch news anchors or game shows, they have those earpieces so they can hear the producer talk to them. Yeah. So he's like, Eric, all right, I need you to just tell me jokes. When you hear stuff you think is funny information, you just give it to me right in my ear. I'm like, wait, I'm, I got to tell jokes for Kid Craddock? How the? I don't know how to do that. Oh, First wow. of all, so kid would have you, if yeah. you thought of something funny, he would have you say, oh my God, say blah, 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 A, B, C, D, E. And then kid would say it, get credit for it yeah. because you just said, fed it into his ear. Exactly. Or his tech guy, Troy, which he does, he's a really talented guy. He would, he knows all about like rock and music. And so it, it, we would all put, everyone would help out and put this in his ear. So he would sound like he's hip, young, smart. And he was, but I mean, he knew how he knew this stuff, but we'd help him out with things so he wouldn't like dumb or uh, just yeah. to add to it. But for me, I can't tell a joke to you, and then to me, it's already passed. You know what I mean? Like if you're doing something on your show, Dave, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden I go, "Hey, say this." The time already passed. The joke's not going to work. Sure, yeah, it's gone. So, I, so, so he yelled at me one time. He's like, "Eric, take a little drag from a cigarette in his office." I, I didn't hear you today. I didn't hear you much. I mean, what's going on? What, what, I need to hear you more. I'm like. Dude, I don't, I don't know. That's, I don't know. And then another thing he yelled at me too, because I gave him a lot of topics. Like I love doing topics, but he's like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. That was so 1998 for me. I've done that. I've done all that. I'm doing skits and bits and all this stuff. I'm like, what? Wow. Just, but he'd go in and punch up a, a script during a commercial break, go in there, have a cigarette, just type away. And I have it all laid out just to be a silly, one of those silly bits he would do. With the character, everyone would play a character and stuff, and, and it was okay. so freaking hilarious. But he did it in three and a half minutes. I'm like, how's this guy? Just a different person. So you know, I always just, yeah. owe him for for taking the time. He didn't have to take a chance on me. That's why whenever people lose jobs or, uh, you know, I try and help as many people. That's what I'm hoping. Everyone that's ever met me says, "Man, Eric's a great guy. He's always helped me out because someone helped me out when I was down. Man, I was, I got, I had nobody. My parents are gone. Died when I was tw- by the time I was 25. I was you know, I have my sisters, but I have nothing. And he kept me alive. And I think he gave me like uh, 10 grand a month cash. So, <laughs> wow. That was pretty nice. You know, kid, kid was one of those guys who he was just, uh, I don't know, he was um, so influential, so talented, and so good. There's a lot of people who are talented, but they're not very good at like business or innovation or whatever. Yeah. I suck at business, dude. Seriously, I've never been syndicated. Um, I've never put this to the, you know, to, uh, put pressure on my, you know, managers or whatever to syndicate me. Um, I've never been able to work that. I don't know how it works. I'm not, I don't have a business mind. But kid, let me just give you my one little story about Kid Craddock. Sure. Um, is that, you know, in our business, everybody steals everybody's bits. And I don't though. I usually try not to steal anybody's bits because we come up with our own. And I usually say, you know, if some other show is doing this, I don't want people to think we stole it from them. So if you guys are doing a bit called, you know, I don't know, um, make your dog bark and win. Right, right. And every Friday you have people call in and make their dog bark. Well, I don't want to write that down. Sucky bit, by the way. No, it's a sucky bit. bit. Don't do that bit. It sucks. (laughs) So, Don't steal any shit that I give you on this because I'm not going to give you anything good. No. So <laughs> anyway, so but I don't like to steal bits and I don't like, I don't even like to listen to other radio shows because if I listen to other radio shows, I'm worried I'm going to start sounding like the host or stealing them or yeah. whatever. And I don't like to do that. And so um, we come up with a lot of stuff and people steal it. And sometimes it's flattering if you well if you offer it up and people steal it. That's one thing. But if somebody listens to your show or gets it off your website and then they steal it for their show, it's kind of pisses you off. It's yeah, like, it hurts. I, like oh, geez, I, really? I, that's how I make my living is by coming up with that. You are now making money off of my work. So, so kid, but it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Kid was the only radio person I ever knew who would protect and copyright and trademark his stuff. And I remember one time, 
we did steal one of kids bits and it was so good. And I can't remember what it was, but he caught wind of it. How in the hell he found out? I have no idea, but he actually wrote us a cease and desist letter that said, you need to stop doing that bit. That's my bit. We have it service marked. And I wrote back to kid and I said, kid, I said, I'm really shocked. I said, I'm really shocked. I said, you and I have known each other since like 1990 or 86 or whenever it was. We've always traded bits unquestioned. You've taken just as many from me as I've taken from you. You made a living with your service that helps trade bits. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, But he was, I think, the only person in radio that I know that has actually ever service marked or trademarked or copyrighted his bits. Did you know that? Did you get mad at it? I never knew that. Did did you get mad? Like, why didn't you just come to me, man, or just talk to me? We were annoyed. I was annoyed with him. Um, because again, it's kind of like, you know, you got a friend and you don't go after a friend, especially if you have like an agreement, like, Hey, you steal some of my stuff. I'll borrow yours. I'm not going to do it excessively. You don't do it excessively either. What's your take? What's your take on, I know like Bert and Kidder old school. Uh, if you, if you work with a show, you, and you want to go do a new show, you go to another market to their, their, to them. It's about respect. Like Bert was hurt when, um. Jack Diamond's co-host came into town to take him on. Uh, I forget his name. God damn it, it sucks. But are you talking about Jeff Dollar? No, uh, before that, there's another uh, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jack Diamond, Jimmy. Jimmy went and he started at the Star Station, and uh, I know okay. Bert was hurt because he's like, "Why would you do that? You didn't even tell me." First of all, he's not going to tell you. It's business. If he tells you, you're going to tell other people, and you'll lose the job. But do you have a? I know you've had other show members of yours leave. And go to other markets, but you've also had some that stay in the market. Does that piss you off? Does it? It does. It, it does. Or? It it does. Uh, it it it's kind of a long story, but that happened with Crisco. Yeah. Um, we basically built Crisco as a character on our show, introduced him to the market for ten years, and then he got an offer from another radio station here in town, and he was not under a contract, so he was free to go. And I tried to explain to Crisco. I said, "You can't do that." just as a good person, because you don't take what I built with you yep. and and now turn my weapon that I created back on me. That's really not cool to do. There's no law against it. There's no, it's just kind of a code of ethics. For you, like are you, is you, he dead to you? Like if he ever no, came No, I or, love or, him. I love the fucker. Care. He's, I love him. He's, you know what? Crisco would never, ever, ever be malicious. He just didn't think of it that way. Um, he, he doesn't think that way. He just thinks that everybody's good and happy and everybody should be good and happy. He's a great quality human being. I love him. Um, uh, you know, we still text once in a while. We met and had a burger one time a couple of years ago, and we don't talk about radio. We talk about, you know, families, dogs, kids, things like okay. that. That's cool. But, but, but no, but it's definitely true. If you build a, a, pro- a product, you don't, usually stations have a non-compete. So if let's say, let's say you and I work together, and we build this great show, and then you decide that you're going to go work at radio station XYZ, well, across the street in the same town, I'd be pissed at you because we built something together. And now, but I guess it does happen. I had one time a friend of mine, like the guy who got me into morning radio, his name was Scott Thrower. He was my mentor, hero, everything. And I was working in Phoenix. All of a sudden, he calls me and tells me I took a job in Phoenix working at your competing radio station. Oh, wow. And I'm like, fuck. Mm. Um, so it, 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 he had every right to, he had every right to, but it still was kind of like, fuck, you really, you want to work against me, but we're buddies. There's so many so, damn markets. There's so many choices. Now, now yeah. if you had no choices, I guess, but my, I just, I just love like, that's what I loved about kid. His, most of his people would leave and go on and be like a farm system, like rich with John Jay and rich in Phoenix and, uh, Steve Harmon. He's done really successful stuff. He's in the like country hall Steve of fame. Harmon on the podcast. Steve Harmon was on the podcast. Yeah, Steve I love was one Steve. of my first guests. Yeah. He's one of my uh, go-to guys when I have a question about life and, and radio. And uh, there's so many people. That's what I always wanted. And that's the only thing I – I think sometimes these people that work with you, they think it's easy. They, they maybe think, oh, I could do that. I can produce. I can do this. And when I've sent people out, like Super Dave, I sent him to Johnson & Johnson, Cable, and Utah, Salt Lake City, and – they're like, Eric, he sucks. He failed. What he did a great interview, did all the stuff great, and then he 
he failed. And I'm like, I thought I prepared him, but I don't think they wanted, he should have stayed longer to learn more from me. And uh, it happened with, um, <laughs> but I told this, uh, I think on this, this site you and I are on, uh, Studio Think Tank, where we share stuff. I told a story about our friend Mercedes in Vegas. I gave her, a, I, I was drunk on this cruise ship and I met this guy, the Disney cruise. This guy was, he was the head of the entertainment. And the guy did voices. He was just freaking hilarious. Now, like I said, yeah. I was drinking a lot. Yeah. But I'm like, this guy, I think would be great on the radio. I mean, he was banging the mermaid girl, Ariel. And he always, <laughs> and he made her do okay. it in the suit and the outfit and stuff. I mean, he had oh crazy stories. I'm like, every week you could do stories from the ship, you know, or some, it'd be awesome. And, and I told her about it. She got excited. Um, and then it ended up being the, they make jokes about how bad he was. It was just like, so she hired him yeah. then <laughs> so that's on my your fault. recommendation. Yeah. And then he was a bomb. And I told her, I go, I don't know. He's never done radio, but here's what he can do. I still say Mercedes did not use him the way I thought in my head <laughs> as a producer. You know, as you can have it's someone, possible. but if, if someone's not using them the way I thought, but I think the bad thing was he, he badmouthed their show to somebody. Here's something to learn for people. Don't badmouth. When you come in and you think you're going to make changes, keep that to yourself. Because I think he said something, not like the show sucked, but like, it's a good show, but I think I can change it and do this and that. And I think that person he talked to told them. And first impressions are everything. If if someone tells you, oh, Dave, wow. this new person is working with you, but they think your show's kind of stale, you need to do this or that, and they're the ones that are going to change it, it's going to piss you off, right? They'd be gone. I mean, seriously, they, yeah. they would be gone because even if they meant well, uh, and even if we talked it through, it'd be like, no, I, you know, that's, I don't think I've ever had anything like that happen, but it's possible that I did. You know what? I don't know what people say about our show. Um, uh, I, I think, but I think the good thing is, the people that are on my show now believe in our show and we believe in each other. I have worked with a few people who I haven't really believed in. I had one story and it's not as good as your story, but it was similar in that when I first went to Columbus, Ohio, I was 23 years old. I was green. It was my second morning show ever. And, uh, there was Sean was, Ireland in them. Yeah. It was Sean Ireland. Yeah. I'm a nerd. And, I remember reading all those stories like, man, this is going to show I want to be. I remember when you were there. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was Sean Ireland, and but this was before she got there. It was just me, me and the news guy who uh, I've told this story on the podcast before. He loved the competing morning show so much that he would sit in the other studio and listen oh. to the competing morning show. Oh, come on. And, and, and I was too green and too young to say, are you kidding me? <laughs> you can either start participating in my show or get the fuck out. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then there was like a, a traffic girl and she was kind of funny. So it was basically just me. So one of the sales guys said, there's a former TV clown back in the sixties. There used to be TV shows in pretty much every market with a local clown. Like we had okay, Bozo like, in Chicago. Bozo in Chicago. So he said, this guy was, his name was Flippo the clown. He's funny. He's like David Letterman. You got to get him on your show, man. You got to get him on your show. He's so funny. He would, you would love him. He was awful. He was awful. <laughs> it didn't work at all. Oh. I mean, we had no chemistry at all. Here was him telling these corny jokes and uh, me pretending to laugh. And it was awful. And it lasted for about a month or so. And then I lied to him and I said, yeah, we can't afford to pay you anymore, uh, just which leave, was please. a total lie. But I mean, you know, at least I tried to let him down easily. So sometimes people do recommend something and you're like, oh, they're going to be great, man. They're going to be great. And it's like, yeah. who, what? No, they're not. Chemistry okay. is everything, right? I mean, sometimes and that's it. I mean, you can't you know? beat chemistry. Well, Fallon and I finish each other's sentences. It's ridiculous. We were singing a song today. I wrote this song off the top of my head. I said instead of low, oh, oh, only, it should be horny. <laughs> and horny? so I, I wrote horny instead of lonely. And I and I wrote the lyrics right off the top of my head. I said. When you're home alone, and we literally both said, and you want the bone. Nice. Because Fallon and I, our minds work the same way. Um, so we both came up with the same random lyric magically. Um, because you're fucking horny. And we changed, we changed fucking horny to freaking horny. Awesome. And, uh, and we had a song. And I played it on my ukulele, and she sang, and it, it was anyway so sometimes you have the chemistry and Fallon is you don't. one of those hires that you got where it was like how'd you get her from such a small market i'm surprised she wasn't in a bigger market sooner when you hear her. well she would have been she would have been so as a good. matter of fact I mean, she is good i'm just saying wow 
lucked out yeah. on that. Yeah. Well, we did luck out, but I think that she was in one of those invisible markets. She was in Reno. Yeah, Reno. And right, yeah. uh, no no slap to Reno, but you never hear about anybody good coming out of Reno. I'm sure they have, but you don't hear about it. Um, so she was in one of those invisible markets and nobody knew about her. Well, when we started showing interest, all of a sudden um, her company was like, oh, well, we want to move you to a bigger market to stay with us, stay with us. Oh, wait, KWB wants you. Well, you must be good. Let's move you to a bigger market. So she was like, well, where, what? And they're like, well, just give us a few weeks and we'll find something for you. She said, screw it. I'm moving to KWB, which is in the business. KWB is a big set of call letters. I mean, everybody in the business knows KDWB. I would so say that's the, the right uh, station up, you know, when you look in the central America, uh, the central world is, you know, the East coast is Z100, West coast is um, KISS. We got KRB down here and KISS in uh, Dallas. And then you got you guys, KDWB. It was like the big name stations. Yeah. So she made the, she made the right choice. I mean, and Huge. I think that's, um, you know, there's a lot of talented people on invisible stations. And, uh, you know, you might be in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and you're really, really talented, but you're on an invisible station that the industry doesn't watch. You and I are lucky we're on a station that the industry watches. I mean, if you like, you know, if you get a haircut, they'll put it in the in like one of the, you know, the email yeah. blast that is like, oh, my God, Eric Rowe got a haircut because you're on a big station. Yeah, that's um, true. And, Good point. And, and, and there's a lot of stations that do big stuff in, my, well, Billings, Montana, that nobody cares about because it's just not a visible market. All right, because you and I could talk all day. You know? We've already been chatting here like for an hour. We're so fast. Uh, and, and we chatted for a half an hour before we even started. I know. Here. I'm like, are we recording this? I don't even know if it's on. I'm just going to keep, I'm talking to Dave freaking Ryan. So, no, this is great. I'm having I'll a great time. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you a couple of more here. There was one, the station that you got fired one year to the day after taking the job. You got fired over an answering machine. Oh, that, Dave, this is my, I'll just give you this quick little thing. Uh, graduate 96. Uh, I went to work at Orkin Pesca. I said, I have to leave Chicago. I have to pay my dues. Stupid ass idiot. I left, went to Bloomington, Illinois, and I worked at WBNQ and uh, did Orkin. I, I was part-time and I did Orkin Pest Control full-time. I, I love it. It was just like uh, the Howard Stern movie. WNBC. They did the same thing to me. Like, Eric, you're not saying it right. They wrote D-O-U-B-L-E-W-B-E-N-Q-U-E. You need to keep saying it like this, W-B-N-Q, because I wasn't enunciating. I'm like, this is almost shit. This is just like Howard Stern. This is crazy. And anyway, I couldn't get a full-time job. I, I know I wasn't that great. So I went back to my farm to work for my dad, and he was sick. So I was helping him. He had cancer, and um, I realized I'm a shitty farmer. I just can't do this. Mm-hmm. I worked at a button factory. You know those buttons like vote for Pedro? Yeah. I made I took the I worked at this button factory where it made those machines to make the buttons. So okay. I was doing that job and trying to get jobs in radio. I couldn't get shit. My dad dies, couldn't get shit. All of a sudden he dies six months later. I got uh had an opportunity in Dallas. So I'm not religious, but I couldn't get anything until my dad died, and all of a sudden things started happening for me. Okay. And it was crazy. So I got this job, which the only reason I got the job is because I had the shits. And I couldn't, I couldn't leave home, so I couldn't go to work at the factory. And I, <laughs> I, I sneezed and I shit my pants at home. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I, my first wife at the time, I'm like, I can't, I can't go to work. So I stayed home and I went on all access and I saw there's a job in Dallas for the Bowen Gym Show. And I called them that day. I wouldn't be able to do this because I was had to work. So because I had the shits, gave me a chance to talk to Tommy Kramer, their their consultant. Okay. And they flew me in for three days. They loved me. And they said, what do you want? Um, I was about to fly out. And I said, when do you think you'll know? And he goes, well, do you want the job or not? I said, hell yeah. They gave me 30 grand. And uh, at the time, I was making 19 grand at a factory. So all of a sudden, I got 11 grand more. Which Big money. Wasn't, but doing my dream. So we did this for a year. I loved it. I loved working with those guys. Tommy got blown out. So I had to consult and take care of the whole show. I took him from sixth place to number one. And what happens? They fire us because they Bowen Jim. They thought we were old and, and dicks, and the PD, John Larson, didn't like them. So okay. they fired us. Well, I thought they were going to fire us. They called them in for a meeting. I guess I wasn't important enough. And so he left a message on my phone saying, hey, Eric, um, we're going to go a different way, and we're going to let you go. I'm like, what the? F- you 
You fired me over wow. a freaking answer machine. So uh, John Larson, if you ever listen to this, fuck you. I know you just got fired yourself in Florida and I still hold grudges. Uh, douche. <laughs> and we used to make fun of him on the radio when we went to the other station to kick his ass. And we did kick their ass. Uh, Cause I went back with uh, it. What happened was we got fired a week later. Clear channel hired me back because they had another opening with their mixed show. So I, I only was out of work for one week, <laughs> but you know, I was so pissed. And we came out, the ratings were number one, uh, four men, and number two with Pied and Kid Craddock and adults. And then wow. they replaced us with Bob and Tom, and that station went from number one to 17th place in one book. And No kidding, really? Yeah, Bob and Tom, those guys are talented, but they can't do shit in big markets. It just doesn't play. You know, that's because Bob and Tom, um, they, they're legendary. They've been in, in they've been in Indianapolis and syndicated for years and years and years. And, and you're right. Some places where they go, they do really, really well. And I used to love those guys back when I used to listen. I used, I lived in uh, Columbus at WNCI and I think that once in a while they would bleed in or something. I would hear them. Oh, I would drive to Indy. That's what it was. I would drive to Indy for some reason, about two hours away. And I would hear them. It's like, God, these guys are funnier and shit. And I will tell you, I they play those well, laugh yeah. tracks they're laughing yes they're so funny well i stole a bit from them speaking of stealing and now remember i was like younger and yeah, yeah, i would 22. steal stuff back then i was like 22 24 and they had a song about elvis's daughter uh, lisa marie i don't yeah, remember lisa what her marie. name was yeah lisa marie and she had just had a baby and so they wrote a song in an elvis voice and it was called she dropped a pup and instead of them all knocked up or I'm all shook up, it was like she got knocked up and then she dropped a pup. And I said, uh-huh. that shit's funny. And I stole it and I recorded it word for fucking word. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Stole it blatantly. They heard about it and they called me and they said, can you not? And I said, I was so busted. I, I oh. knew that I had tried to get away with something that I couldn't get away with. So now, did they call you or did they have their, like, their guy call you or did you at least? I don't remember. I don't. Bob and Tom I think, yelling at you? That'd be I pretty think fun. Tom might have called me or wrote a letter. I don't remember. All I know is I got busted and I couldn't fight it because I was so guilty. I mean, blatantly stole it <laughs> word for word. So, <laughs> you know hey, what? There's one thing I did steal from you. What's uh, that? I mean, I've still lots of things, but uh, when it comes to a billboard campaign, and it was huge here in Houston. It was the one where um, you did the ugly kids grow up to be. Yep. And there was pictures of you. And that was a great one. I said, hey, we're, we'll do two dorks. And I had pictures of Rule and Ryan because they didn't want to do ugly. They didn't want our station didn't want to go all the way. I'm like, come on. It's got to be ugly kids. Because basically the whole thing was you have photos of Rule and Ryan when they were like dorky looking in third grade. Fifth grade Rula was chubby and had these big glasses. And it says it's supposed to say ugly kids. And then yeah. that's the billboard and people will talk about it for two or three weeks. And then the next billboard is them all hot and good looking, say grow up to be morning show personalities or something like that. Yeah. And I remember you doing that. I'm like, I got to do this. Dave was freaking See, You say you're bad at business, but that shit was. Well, no, here's why I'm bad awesome. at business. And, and here's why, because motherfuckers like you stole it and yeah. I should have gotten money from it. <laughs> yeah, I would have paid you for that. You could but have done see, that at page need a number type stuff. Well, this is, I, I've got, a, I'm looking right now at a framed picture of that billboard. And it was me in fifth grade with Angie Taylor, and they knocked out some of her teeth. They gave her crooked eyes. They made her ears bigger. They made me have, they, they colored in my eyebrows. And it says, ugly kids. And this yeah. idea came to me. It's like, I didn't even create this idea. This idea dropped into my head. Awesome. I was sitting in my office 20 years ago, and this idea dropped into my head. I don't know where it came from. I called the general manager and I said, let's do this billboard. He's like, that's fucking genius. Let's do it. Brilliant. And so the, the, we had the same experience. We, it says ugly kids. And then people were like calling the billboard company and calling the newspaper and the TV. And this is terrible. And this is, you, can't do you know, what kids. is this? How can you call them ugly? That is so wrong. Right. And so the Minnesota department of transportation, they asked us to make, take it down early because they found out who had it. And they said, can you please take it down? Because people are slowing down to look at it. Holy shit. So the reveal was ugly kids become DJs. And now it's a picture of me and Angie Taylor as grownups. And then it said Dave Ryan in the morning, 5 to 10 a.m. KWB. Well, here's where I am not a business person because this board was stolen everywhere, all over the country. And people took credit for it as if it was their own. I never did that. I always said Dave Ryan, Dave freaking Ryan, man. Hey, listen, I would I wouldn't have blamed you if you're a gracious person, Eric, to do that. But uh, somebody sent me an article about a month ago, and somebody did it in Milwaukee, 
and really? it actually was awarded like a creative no. billboard oh. award. Come on, and they're like, like taking credit for their for this. Oh, come yep. on. Oh. And there was an article like, oh man, most creative billboards, and here's ugly kids become DJs. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. That's that because you know, if you go to your if, let's say your general manager hears about this one and then she's like, There's a great billboard idea that Dave Ryan came up with. We're gonna steal it. Well, now if a if an award, let's say the Milwaukee Billboard Association comes to you and said, you've been nominated for a billboard award. You are not going to say, we didn't come up with that. We stole that from Dave Ryan. Yeah, You're going to go, well, thank you very much. I'll see you at the awards banquet. Yep. He'll so never know. They'll never And nobody ever found out and nobody ever like came to. And so I actually belatedly, I went to a lawyer and I said, how do I service mark this? How do I protect this so nobody yeah. will steal it? And he said, you know what? There really isn't a way he goes and if they change even a couple of words, they can steal it. There's really nothing you yeah, can we did do. Like two dorks. So I guess yep. you could say, oh, we changed it that way or something. Yeah. I wanted to go full balls in like you did. Do the ugly part. You know, and it was it was kind of funny. I mean, a station in San Diego did it and they got in like the trade papers for it. And, oh, that's, that's the worst. And it was one of those things where, you know, the, it, it happens once in a while. I've had this happen before where somebody will steal something of ours and they'll get press for it. And when I say press, they'll get in their local newspaper, but who cares? They'll get in a national radio newspaper about it or an online that's huge email for blast. All of us, right? Cause that's like how GMs and suits and everyone, the bosses see that stuff. That's how they hear about us. Yeah. They love well, it. The good, the good news is you and I are not, are not move. We're not interested in moving on to no. our next job anytime soon. I do have one quick question for you. I know we got to go, but um, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh Yeah. Because do you ever have this problem? Because you say you've never been syndicated and you're huge, and I know you'd be successful at it. Do they ever tell you it's because you're so Minneapolis? We don't want to ruin that brand. Like yep, I get that sometimes in Houston. Like you are Houston. That's why we call it Ruling Ryan the heartbeat of Houston. You got, I'm like, but we can pull it off. I mean, Howard Stern was able to do a show from New York, and people didn't give a shit. You know? No, I, I local is great. There's no question that's local. But how many times did friends? mention Houston during their show. Yeah, exactly. How many Zero. times did um, uh, Big Bang Theory, how many times did they ever mention downtown Houston and a local steakhouse on your show? But it was a number one show for years, so local is great, but there's this old school, old dinosaur way of thinking that says, well, you got to be local. No, you don't. You got to be good. You got to be yep. good first, and if you're local – then that's a bonus, but you can be local all day. But if your show's not very good, it doesn't matter. So that, that's the only thing. I guess it's a compliment that they love us, that they think we're so. But then I'm like, you do know we or we are Dave and myself. Our show, we're, we're, our shows are talented. We can we could do whatever. Put us in anywhere. I think we'd be successful. Yeah. So that's you know, why well, I was, well, the one one little bit of evidence on that is that we were on you know we're on iHeartRadio. And so we have people all over the country that have never been to Minnesota that listen to our show because they discovered us on iHeartRadio. And I'll tell you a quick little story about that. They said, and I may have told this on a previous podcast, they said, okay, on iHeartRadio, everybody needs a tagline like music, energy, and fun, or the most music in the morning, or, you know, real funny, fun, like the Birch Real does. fun. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, mm, I want to stand out. I said, now with nearly seven listeners. <laughs> so it looked like there was some bad computer measuring that said now with nearly seven listeners and, and people said, I listened to you in, you know, Denver, or I listened to you in Seattle. How did you find our show? Well, I was thumbing through iHeartRadio stations and I saw your tagline that said now with nearly seven listeners and it cracked me up. So I listened. Well, when I put that on there, the suits had a fit. They said, you can't say that. That's You're stupid. insulting. Makes you look the, bad. Yeah, it makes you look bad. You don't want people to think you only have seven listeners. Try to explain a joke to somebody who doesn't have a sense of humor. Am I yeah. right? You That's cannot explain a joke to somebody who has a sense of because they never go, oh, I get it now. They go, well, that's not very funny. Uh, so I, I think they made us take that down. I'm going to cover one more thing because you always make, you know, I, I talk to you, Eric, and you, I, I love hearing like things that make me think of something and you and I could feed off of each other all day and drive people crazy. And you fun. and I, if we took our <laughs> wives out, if we took our wives out to dinner together, they'd be oh, so they pissed us. at us because we <laughs> would never shut up. We go up to the bar. We'll be back. We'll be back. You guys stay here and we'll be at the bar for three hours. <laughs> so you told the story about double, you know, the station that made you say the call letters and they wrote out W D O U B L E yeah. and Y O U. <laughs> well, 
the, I, I think I'm going to give you credit for knowing the story because I, I think you probably do. But if you listen to the podcast, you don't know this. So back in the 70s and 80s, I believe it was, um, WNBC, which was a big station in New York and probably still is, they were AM stations yeah. and their call letters were WNBC. And their competing music station was WABC. So for years, the reason that the people like that were on WNBC said WNBC, and that's how they were told to say it, WNBC, was because they wanted their listeners to know they weren't listening to WABC. So they were told, sell the fuck out of N, WNBC. That's the only difference we have. (laughs) That's Yeah, because back then when you wrote down for the ratings, you had to write down with a pen what you were listening to. Now it's all digital and electronic, but you would just so people would accidentally write down WABC when they were listening to WNBC. Uh-huh. So when WNBC started saying WNBC, their ratings skyrocketed because all of a sudden people knew what station they were listening to. Was WABC, did they fight back in WABC or did they do anything? No, like because that they or? were because the, the ratings late. truly were NBC was a better station. So now people were listening to the better station, but they now knew that they were listening to WNBC. So So, but the funny thing is, here's what's messed up about it is a small town program director that might've worked at WHRQ. He would, he wouldn't know why they do it. So he would tell his DJs, he'd be like, say (laughs) WHRQ. He didn't get why. He didn't get why. He just knew that he was stole it from WNBC. So it must be right. Yeah. It's a copycat. uh, What do we say? A copycat league. And radio it people, it's like basketball. You oh, they're all they all. You know, the Rockets tried to go short with no tall guys. If that worked, there'd be no centers ever again in in basketball. It'd be all guys six foot four and under. Isn't you it know, crazy? Because everyone everyone copies everybody. That's what they do. They do, and that's, and that's how you're going to stand out. If you're listening to this, I mean, Dave made a name for himself. He didn't, you know, you might you might have had people that you appreciated, but you didn't want to be them. You became Dave Ryan, and when you start out, everyone does it. I wanted to be Johnny oh, B and Steve Dahl and Stephen Gary, and, and I knew I couldn't do that. I mean, I know my limitations, and that's why I, I am. I, I found my niche, and I know I could be probably a shitty uh, DJ, but I know I could be an awesome producer. You know, third mic, second mic, all that stuff. I know my limitations, and, and you are. And and you know what? I think it's fine when you when are, you are young and and new in any business to be influenced strongly by somebody. I mean, you think about somebody who is an, like an artist now. I'm sure Ed Sheeran was strongly influenced by whoever it was. I'm sure that um, you know the Beatles were strongly influenced by Buddy Holly and Bo Diddley and that type of thing. And I'm throwing out names that are making young people go, "Who the hell are you talking about?" Well, you should look but these they, people up. Look up Eric Clapton. He loved uh, Buddy Guy. And Buddy right? Guy was a Chicago guy. One time, Dave, in college, I didn't go with my friends to Buddy Guy's Blues Bar because they had uh, happy hour, like 10 bucks, hamburgers and stuff. I didn't go with them. They came back, th- what, uh, two in the morning. They're like, dude, you missed the greatest fucking night ever. Buddy Guy came out there because he doesn't always perform. It's his, it's his yeah. place. Eric Clapton jumped on stage with him. Pete Townsend jumped on stage with him. Dan Aykroyd got his harmonica out. They were all jamming. I'm oh, like, and like, you missed it? And I'm a loser stuck at home watching MTV because I didn't feel like going out. And I didn't have cable. My whole life, I never had cable until I went to college. So I'm like, oh. what, is, what is road rules? This shit's awesome. Oh, that's so funny. I'm like I could have met these icons. Damn it. Wow. You know that's what? You reminded me of another story, but I'm going to stop myself. I'm going to stop <laughs> myself. I swear to God how I missed the chance to meet the cast of Friends, but I oh. am not because I was being a dick and I no. didn't feel like going out. And so a friend of mine, we were in it in, in, in L.A. or Hollywood or Burbank, I guess, and they were filming Friends and uh, this guy talked his way onto the set and he came back to the hotel later guy worked we said i met everybody on the cast of friends we got to watch him film for a little bit and i didn't go because i was being a pouty little bitch that day about something and i didn't go so damn it see we all have those moments which makes makes a good bit on the radio it's a good bit there you go <laughs> eric hey listen i'm i'm gonna tell you uh, uh if you if you're ever in houston or you want to check out a great radio show uh rula and ryan uh krbe been there forever and uh, ryan is the gold standard for morning show producers and um uh, and it's been so great to have you on to get the producers side of things <clears throat> you, mean, you mean eric you mean eric not ryan just did to- i say ryan yeah but that's okay Okay, Rula and Ryan. <laughs> I God, I, I know exactly who I'm talking to. 
Um, <laughs> I have I have Ryan Seacrest on the line where, right now. Where am I? Um, I don't know where I'm at. Well, I'm in this box. So it's Rule and Ryan. Eric is the producer, and Eric is the gold standard, and I'm the one th- with the short-term memory. <laughs> so check him out. Eric, seriously, thanks so much for being love on. Love you, buddy, man. You're, uh, you're, love like you, right, you're the love gold you right standard, back. man. You are what every radio show wants to be, and unfortunately, we can't. Because you're the best. Well, you know, I, 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 that's very kind. I appreciate that. Um, and again, thanks for being on. You take care. Tell Rula thanks, and Ryan. It's Rula and Ryan, right? Rula yep. and Ryan. It's Rula, Rula and Ryan. <laughs> I'm giving you shit. Of course, I know who your show is. Yeah, Tell them I said hello, and you take care, Eric. Okay. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Thanks again to Eric Rowe, and I'm uh, going to wrap it up because we were a little bit longer on the podcast this week, so we're going to wrap it up. And if you want to be on the podcast for Radio War Stories, send me an email to Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. Did I tell you I'm working on book number two, volume number two? It's kind of slow going because I can't really prioritize it, and i got a lot of other stuff to do. But thanks for the encouragement. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for um, uh, people saying they like this theme of the podcast, and uh, I certainly do. It's a whole lot of fun. And we'll see you next time with more Radio War Stories on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Thank you.